The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to the 18th episode of the SEU Show. I'm your host, SEU, and boy, is it glad, is it great to be back here on the show. I've been away for the past couple of weeks because of different things. Uh, back in August, I was doing This Week in the AFL, and then I went to Jersey. I tried to do a show, but my producer, Eric Watkins, computer shut down on me, so that show ended pretty as, almost as soon as it started. The week after, I got stuck in Jersey because if I missed my train. Trying to get back on Labor Day weekend. And uh, last week, I don't really remember what happened, but I know I didn't do a show. So we are now here. Uh, Sean Garmer has taken over the producer role again for this show, as he did back in February when the show started. So we're glad to have him back. Uh, thanks again, thanks to him for producing this podcast, and uh, let's get to it here. I want to start by talking about the Giants. The New York Giants, uh, I picked them to win the NFC East. I picked them to finish 11-5, and here we are going into week three. They're 0-2. And I can't – first of all, I want to start with, I want to start with the, the first game. They played the Cowboys. And my takeaway from that game was Cowboys played very well. Like I was very impressed by the defense in that game. And against, you know, yeah, Manning against Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard. Very good game by the defense. Evan Ingram, I feel like he was the second best tight end in the draft behind O.J. Howard. Love the way the defense played for Dallas. That is a little bit of fandom in there, but not too much. I really did like how Cowboys played their defense that game. Against Denver, well, the defense sort of deteriorated. But that's a different story for a different time. The main focus here is the Giants. And it starts with the... How they played against Dallas, how they just they they were shut out the first half. They didn't get a first down until the second quarter. And fanboys just oh, but OBJ didn't play. Of course we're gonna play it. Wait, wait, wait. Just because Odell Beckham Jr. didn't play, that means the Giants are gonna do bad. That's why they did bad. That's a bad excuse. What it is? That is a very bad excuse by Giants fans. Yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. is a big part of this team. But you realize you have Brandon Marshall, you have Evan Ingram. You have Paul Perkins, who I still believe can be talented. You can't put it all on OBJ, all the back of Jr. You cannot do that. Do you realize, and here's an interesting stuff. People are saying that OBJ and all this other stuff. OBJ was the, the reason the Cowboys beat the Giants 19-3 in week one. You realize Brendan Marshall, on a very bad Jets team in 2016, averaged 13.4 yards a catch. That was, that was with a bad Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now he has Eli Manning, who's probably going to wind up in the Hall of Fame, even though he shouldn't. No excuse budget for the Giants. There was no excuse. And last night Detroit, against Detroit, another bad performance. And Odell played. Beckham played in that game, if I, if I remember correctly. My, my focus was on Monday Night Raw last night. So I wasn't really much much of that game. I'm not a big fan of Monday Night Football because... Sean McDonough, he was a good commentator, but I preferred Mike Tirico. But he's gone now, so I don't watch that much of my Night football as I should. So last night, the Giants got shut down by Detroit big time. Losing 24-10, they're 0-2. And OBJ played, played that game. So can we stop blaming OBJ? You want to know what the real problem is in New York? And it has been since 2004. It's been Manning. Eli Manning is the kryptonite. Like, oh, but, uh, Giants people say, oh, they, he was two Super Bowl rings. 
Yeah, that's that's all pure luck. You beat the Packers, who's after one game in the playoffs every year. You beat the Patriots, I can't even explain. Being the Patriots, that's something different. But that's all malarkey. And the whole the whole rings conversation is also malarkey. It's something else I wanted to bring up here. Now fans will oh, but Manning has two rings. This is a very good case where the rings do not matter. I mean, come on. Dan Marino has zero rings. Even Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl ring. That, that tells you right there the rings don't matter. Especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Eli Manning may have two rings, but he's not that great of a quarterback just because of that. And I bought some, so I looked something up here right before the show that I want to bring up. <clears throat> Giants records since 2004 minus the Super Bowl seasons. 2004, 6 and 10. 2005, 11, 5. That's pretty good. They went to the NFC East. That's only, by the way, that's only one time out of the two times that the Giants won the division with Eli Manning at quarterback. 2006, 8 and 8. 2008, 12 and 4. Pretty good. The, the second, the only, oh, three times. My fault. But three times the Giants won the division on Eli Manning's been around 14 years. 2009, 8 and 8. 2010, 10 to 6, 9 and 7, 9 and 7, 7 and 9, 6 and 10, 6 and 10. In 13 years, Eli Manning's won the NFC East three times. And that's with Tony Romo, who everyone likes to bash for being bad. But he's beaten Eli Manning several times for the division title. I mean, so let's stop. So Eli Manning is the problem here. Let's stop blaming Old Beckham Jr. for the Giants' struggles this year. This is not Old Beckham Jr.'s problem. It's Eli Manning's. And soon the Giants have to realize his time is up. His time is coming up. They need to move on. And it's not for, It's not Davis Webb. It's not going to be Davis Webb. He's not going to be the answer for them moving forward. But they do have to find somebody else now. Because Eli Manning is obviously not working out. Guy has two lucky seasons, and that's it. Bunch of mediocrity after that. I believe it was – I was thinking about this on the way home from work today. I believe it was 2011 or tw- – no, it was 2012, the year after they won the Super Bowl. Everyone's expecting big things for Eli Manning. He's going to do wonderful again. Back to the playoffs for the Giants. Through six games that year, Eli Manning threw 15 interceptions. Ooh, that hurt. I bet Giants fans are listening to this right now, and they're, they, they hurt them. I'm sure it did. They want to forget about that 15 picks and six-game season Eli Manning had. You can't forget it. Especially when you want to bring up how great Manning is. Right there. That is a huge thing right there that proves how mediocre he actually is through his whole career. And he is the reason. He is the anchor holding the Giants down for being a good team. Not Odell Beckham Jr. Because old OBJ played against Detroit. He didn't do anything. Against the Cowboys, we had Brandon Marshall. He had Evan Ingram. Let Manning didn't throw to them. Brandon Marshall had one catch with 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And you know, at the end of the game, game ran. The time ran out after that catch because the Giants had given up down 19 to three. So Giants, Giants fans, stop blaming OBJ because without OBJ, you wouldn't be the same team. You wouldn't be as good as you are. 
because Eli Manning is holding you guys down. So I want to I switch over to this now. This is, I found this a little more interesting. I just had to bring that up. No Cowboys fandom there. No Giants hate there. It's just the truth. And anybody listening to this no, also knows that it is also the truth. So college football has been very exciting this year. A lot of great games, a lot of great upsets. Even FCS teams beat FBS teams. Things that you don't normally see. That make, but the things like these makes the sport more exciting. And that's why people watch more college football. And then you look at the NFL, and it's like, bunch. Besides the Patriots, Chiefs being the Patriots, week one, there's not much excitement. You know, the, the Panthers beat the Bills this weekend, nine to three. Woo! What a game! So exciting. No. College football has shown it is the true king of football. And there's two ways to look at this. There's the way the games that have played out this season for both leagues and things way, the way things are also run for both leagues. And also with college. In college, we've seen amazing upsets. We've seen successful Hail Mary, you know, with uh, Florida, Tennessee. We've seen so much excitement in college football. We've seen Baker Mayfield without D.D. Westbrook, without Joe Mixon, with no, no big-name receivers. Go into the horseshoe and knock off Urban Meyer and the second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. In a game, nonetheless, that saved their season. Because if they didn't win that game, Oklahoma State was going to win the Big 12. They saved their season in Week 2. That is excitement. That right there is excitement. Like If you, if you win your – you save your season in Week 2, that is exciting. If you go, if you lose week two in the NFL, oh, it's okay. I got 14 games left. I ain't nothing to worry about. Like, cool. We have to wait all this time in the NFL for something exciting to happen. Like, we have to wait until the last game of the season to, to choose an NFC champion or NFC South champion. The bad thing about that, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Falcons and Panthers back in, what was it, 2014? The Panthers coming to that game, where were they? 6 8 1? Yeah, they were 6 8 1 coming in, going to Atlanta. And they were going. They were looking to win the NFC South crown. Final game of the year. In college, Oklahoma won week two to save their season. That's exciting. We don't have to wait for excitement. We want excitement now. We want to keep it going. And in college, we get there. We got excitement. Keep going. This weekend, we have Iowa. I love Nathan Stanley. I love what he's done. I had him as a high end pick for week two. Then he struggled against North Texas, and I took him off. But I love Nathan Stanley. I love what he does. Now he's going to face the biggest test of his young career against Penn State. Primetime football on ABC. Great game. It's going to be an awesome game. In the meantime, in the NFL, what do you got? Oh, look at that. Jared Goff against Brian Hoyer. Wow, I can't wait to watch, not watch that. <laughs> That's going to be – I mean, the Rams are good. I can't deny that the Rams are doing well. Cooper Cuss has been a great addition to the Rams' offense. But other than that, the Rams are still the Rams. They had a good win against Scott Tolzien. Let's not – let's calm down there. That's another thing. So you get crap games like that. The Rams against Scott Tolzien. Like, who wants to watch that? Oh, uh, boy. 
Of course, seeing 74 blowouts in college is not something we want to see. But you'll never see a team in the – I mean, at least in college, you see a team score 70 points. That's exciting. You see that every week, all 12 weeks throughout the season. FBS, FCS, Division One, Two, One, Double AA, whatever. You know, you get the point. You see in all types of college football, no matter Division One, SEC, Big Ten, Sky, Big Sky, whatever the conference is called. In NFL, you, if the team scores 40 points, it's like, whoa, they put up 40 points. Very exciting. Yeah, it's just thing we want more. We want excitement in our lives. College brings more excitement than the NFL, and to me, that that is why the that is why college football is better than the NFL. Of course, you know with the title games last year, both were pretty good. Most would say the Super Fifty One is more exciting than a college football national championship game. That's a once in, that's a once in a blue moon type of thing. Comfortable national championship games are usually always exciting. Super Bowls, not too much. When you look back at the former Super Bowls, fifty, boring. Denver's defense dominated Cam Newton. Forty-eight, the Broncos didn't even show up to Jersey. They didn't show up to MetLife. The Seahawks just won because they showed up. In the college football the national title game, you got y'all a freshman winning the title against Marcus Mariota. You got James Winston overcoming a 21-3 deficit over Auburn. A lot of excitement in the college football. And then you go to the end of the year, you know, go to December. That's when that's definitely when college gets real exciting. In college in the month of December, there are five conference title games that everyone wants to watch. Big Ten. Now there's Big 12, which that's going to be amazing with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State expected to play each other for the second time this year in the Big 12 title game. SEC is always exciting. It'll be LSU, Florida, most likely. With Kentucky. I can't even say that because I don't know anything about all college conferences, but anyway. Pac-12, always exciting. Big Ten, definitely exciting. So a lot, even even the first weekend of, of December, there's much excitement in college football. And that continues on through the rest of the month because you have thirty about 39 bowl games that could all end on the final play of the game. How awesome is that? In the NFL, in December, Tom Brady is playing three quarters because he clinched the AFC East by... Thanksgiving. Not exciting. Pretty much, not only that, all but one AFC playoff spot has been clinched by the time Thanksgiving goes around. So it's like, what's the point of watching these games? We already know what's we already know what's happening. And the last AFC spot is, you know, this team wins and that's it. AFC is clinched by December first. Not exciting. College, you have thirty nine ball games that run. Monday through Friday, nonetheless, for about four weeks. Amazing, incredible, awesome stuff. All right, so here's something else I want to talk about. Sam Darnold. A lot of people bought her Sam Darnold last season. And I was the person that said, don't overhype him. I think he's overrated. He's not going to do well. 
Well, what do you know? Look at me being right right now. So far this season, let's look at the three games Sam Darnold has played. Against Western Michigan, a MAC team, non-Power 5 conference, threw two picks, had a 71 QBR. Against Stanford, two more interceptions. Against rookie, a rookie quarterback in Texas. Well, what do you know? Two more picks. One return for a touchdown. For three games this year, Sam Darnold has six picks. I'll go along with his six touchdown passes. Rutgers quarterback Kyle Boland has four picks through three games. Sam Darnold has six. That right there takes him out of the Heisman talk, if you ask me. Like, I don't, I don't know if this will continue. Maybe he'll have a breakout season come October, November, into December. But right now, Sam Darnold's overrated. He's proving me right, as I said, all summer long. Coming into the season, and I can continue to say until he shows up something else. Sam Darnold's overrated. He's not. He should not be. I don't know. Some people still have him at the number one overall pick going to the Jets because the Jets are probably pretty much finishing 0-16 this year. Crazy. I find that I find that insane. Just absolutely insane that people have Sam Darnold still number one overall pick to the Jets in 2018. They're a much better quarterback. See, I put Josh Rosen in one overall. He had a crappy game against Texas A&M. But other than that, he did pretty well for himself. I, do, I like what Josh Rogers has done this year. Even at the loss against Memphis, he threw five touchdowns. Impressive stuff from Josh Rosen. So I want to thank everybody for listening. This is the SCU Show. I'm your host, SCU. While you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play or wherever WTMNet podcasts are recorded. Uh, again, thank you for listening. I hope you dis- I hope you enjoyed this episode as I go on here. And I hope you hit that subscribe button. Oh, by the way, I had to give a shout out. Sean Garmer, Eric Watkins, and Rachel McCricker. Congratulations to you three. Soccer to the Max is now on iHeartRadio. And I hope this show can get to iHeartRadio someday. But we'll see what happens there. You know, obviously we have to keep doing shows, first of all. That's a big thing, doing shows. If I continue to do shows, and they keep getting better, we'll eventually hear our radio, just like Sean has and Eric has on their podcast. Soccer to the Max, Football to the Max, wherever else is on iTunes. I mean, um, iHeartRadio. But I have a lot of work to do. I could tell you that now. But we'll get there. There is a lot of time left. We will get there. So Paul Jackiewicz is going to join the show. He's going to him and I will be talking about the Giants because there are a lot of questions about the Giants right now. And I'm I, and I, again, I picked them to win the NFC East at eleven five. Did not expect Dallas to do what they did the first week, and then the in the second week, uh, Colin Cowherd talked about it on his show, radio show, The Herd. Dak Prescott did not get exposed. The defense just deteriorated. It was a very bad defense. You don't give up four touchdowns to Trevor Simeon and expect to win a game. Like, that is just not... You don't do that. I 
then again, I, I was the one that said that this defense would not do well this season. And uh, game two, they've shown that already. Of course, we're going to Arizona Monday night. But the Cowboys going to Arizona. Excuse me. The Cowboys going to Arizona Monday night. Play the Cardinals, who have not done well on offense with Carson Palmer as their quarterback. So I'm hoping maybe that'll change for the Cowboys. We can get 2-1 and one on the season. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Jackiewicz, a blog owner of bloggingbeblue.com and editor of the Toronto Times will join us. This is the SEU Show. Hello to all you Arena League football fans out there. I want to personally welcome you to join us, AFL Fan Zone, every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time for a weekly recap of all things AFL. You got stuff to do on the weekends, which means you probably don't have time to sit down and watch every single game every week. That's where AFL Fan Zone comes in. Not only do we break down the week, but we provide you with everything you need to stay up to date with the AFL, including Players of the Week, Power Rankings, and the Weekly Standings. Best part is, the recap is fully interactive between the viewers and the host. Just search AFL Fan Zone on YouTube and you can find all of our archive videos, including game previews, recaps, and weekly updates. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website at www.aflfanzone.com. AFL Fan Zone, your internet home for the best AFL fans. Hi, I'm Donovan James, and welcome to the Don James High School Football Report, everybody, where we discuss and debate the hottest prep and college football recruiting topics in the country every week, only here on NGSC Sports, 9.30 Eastern. For more, follow me on Twitter at Don James Sports. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. Are you an arena football fan looking for the latest news involving your team? Inside the Arena has you covered. Check us out for the latest news around both the Arena Football League and the Chinese Arena Football League. Read all of our stellar articles at InsideTheArena.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at Inside underscore Arena, and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InsideTheArena. Welcome back, everybody, to the SCU Show. I'm your host, SCU. Now joining us is owner of bloggingbigblue.com and editor of the Toro Times, the Houston Texas fan-sided blog, Mr. Paul Jackiewicz makes his return to the show. How are you doing oh, today? Good. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm sorry about the uh, mix-up. I-, I never used Skype, and I thought I was <laughs> signed in. <laughs> I thought maybe I had more than one account, but I uh, appreciate you bearing with me and Finally figured yeah, it out. So yeah, we are glad to have Paul on tonight. Last time he came on, he just absolutely killed it, and I'm looking forward to him killing it again. So, Paul, <laughs> let's start with the Giants here. I picked mm. them as my NFC center at 11-5. I didn't expect Dallas defense to do what they did when the Cowboys beat the Giants 19-3 on Sunday Night Football. Mm. And then fanboys were like, oh, OBJ didn't play, though. Oh, that's why we lost. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, Brandon Marshall averaged 13.4 <laughs> yards a catch last year. With Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback, what do you feel besides OBJ? Because that's not true. 
What do yeah. you feel was the main cause for the Giants' struggles both Sunday, last Sunday night, and then um, this past game on Monday? Um, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't really make much. He, he helps, but he doesn't make that big of a difference. And I, I really think last year's 11-5 was a fluke. Um, I just don't think um, – I don't know. I just don't – they're just not that good. Um, but I think there's many issues. And last year, I think I was just like, man, if they had an offensive line, they'd be really good. But I just think it's a it's a ton of issues that they have. And um, I'm not surprised at all. It, it really – actually, I was surprised that people were picking them <laughs> to win the NFC East and <laughs> were picking them to be Super Bowl contenders. I'm thinking – have you seen the Giants? I mean, they haven't done to me. They didn't do anything all offseason to address any of their real needs. Um, Brandon Marshall, uh, that's nice. They needed a number two receiver. Um, they didn't need Rhett Ellison. I don't know why they they signed him. He's a solid player, but they didn't need him. Again, I like I said last time, Jason Pierre-Paul. He looks good so far, which is fine. But I would have rather have traded him, or you know, traded him by letting him go and then signing an all-left tackle because clearly that is still their biggest issue. You know, I think the offensive line, to me, the offensive line is average aside from Flowers. They're, they're, they're pretty good. You could, you could win with them except for Flowers again. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're pretty solid. Bobby Hart didn't look too bad in week one. Um, they're about, they look pretty good. They looked okay. They're, they're, they're serviceable. But then you got a guy like Flowers who just keeps getting beat by everybody who lines up over him. And he, I mean, even it was just laughable last night just how two straight plays Eli Manning got sacked. You know, and if people kind of saw on ESPN today and was making fun of Eli just diving down, you know, I think Eli, and this is one of the problems, is that he no longer, he used to be a guy that would stand in the pocket and not, not be afraid to take a hit. I'll never forget, I think it was the NFC title game against the 49ers. I believe, I can't remember if it was 2011 or 2007. Um, when, that you was know, when 2011, were... yes. Okay, 11. Um, yeah, because of Harbaugh, right, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, so um, that game, he took a lot of hits. But he stood in the pocket, made the throws he had to make, grinded it out, helped him get a win or whatever. Now you don't see that from him. Um, he's scared, you know, and he doesn't trust his offensive line at all. Um, or definitely, he definitely knows he can't trust his left tackle, which is the guy protecting his blind side. Um, so he, he's, ter- he's scared. Yeah. I mean, he's missing. I don't think physically he's washed up. I think physically he is more than capable of being an NFL starter for the next three years. It's mentally, mentally. He is just, he has psyched himself out because he's so scared about getting hit. He's missing wide open receivers. Except last night, though, he had a great pass. To Marshall's a perfect pass on the sideline. Of course, he drops it. It's like the one perfect pass Eli Manning throws. Marshall's going to drop. You know, and I also saw somebody talking about it, um, you know, just how this they're just they're playing like a losing team even. It's not even just the offense, but you give up the special teams touchdown. Um, you know, the defense is not even playing great. The defense is playing good enough. They're all right. You know they they could easily win. They could have won these last two games with the defense playing the way it's been playing. Um, they just haven't been as I guess as dominant as they were last year, which is not a surprise because teams are going to game plan. They're going to say, "Oh, this is why the Giants were good. We know how to counteract that." And that's probably what's happened. Uh, now the Giants need to adjust to that. But you know, last year they were lucky because I think they took people by surprise with their defense. They made just enough plays to get it done on offense. 
but they just seemed like a complete mess. Again, Eli Manning's one of the problems, and then left tackle. And then, of course, not being able to get a running game. I was surprised that the Lions were fooled with by uh, Evan Ingram lining up pretty much behind their right guard. Um, and then, you know, he went right through the middle and got a touchdown. They were, they were fooled by that. They were thinking the Giants were going to run. I'm thinking, why are you worried about the Giants running the football? Uh, they, they can't run the football. And it's it's not the running back. It's not Perkins. It's not Darkwood. It wasn't Rashad Jennings uh, last year. Jennings is getting older. But you look at, they've got, they have all these running guys running the ball. Clearly, nobody can get more than maybe three yards at a time. It's not it's not the running back himself. It's the line. They can't open up holes. They can't run block block and they can't pass block. And when you can't when you can't run the football, teams aren't worried about it and they're gonna stack the block or they're gonna um sit back and, and you know, defend the pass and of course get after the quarterback. They don't even need the blitz because you have Flowers who's a revolving door and you just go right through him and you know, it, it's 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 a mess between the offensive line, uh, and Eli Main. Those are the two biggest issues. Um, that I see right now. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny that you bring up that Eli Manning's his big problem. I said the same thing before you came on. I said Eli Manning has been the problem since 2004. In 13 years, they have won three different titles. So um, mm. I don't know what, how long do you feel it may be? Because last night, even uh, head coach Ben McAdoo ripped, ripped into Eli Manning right, how he right. played. How long do you think until the Giants decide? Okay. It's time for us to move on from Eli Manning. It might not be Davis Webb, it might be somebody in right. two years from now. How long do you think it'll be yeah. before they move on from Eli Manning? Well, first, I don't I don't think McAdoo wants Manning anymore. I think he wants to get rid of him. Not now. He's not going to get rid of him right now, but I think no, by next not. year he would love to. I just don't I, – I saw some people commenting on Twitter, and I was like, you know, I th- you know, somebody said something about he's not McAdoo's guy. And I'm like, you know what, that kind of makes sense. But it's kind of stupid of McAdoo, and I'm actually going to write an article about this, but it's stupid of McAdoo to not want Eli. Like, not because he's, Eli is so great and he's in his prime, but <laughs> who else are you going to start? Davis Webb? Geno Smith? I mean, you, you don't have any other <laughs> options. You know, even if you want to go draft a quarterback in the first round next year, there's no guarantee he's going to be the, the guy. So you better try to win with a guy who's won two Super Bowls right now to help your job because even if you even if he wishes Manning would bomb and be out by next year why would the Giants why wouldn't the Giants blame him for not getting this offense right because he's this offensive guru you know and it's just troubling that since 2015 2015 the offense was ridiculous they were putting up 40 points like it was nothing. Defense was horrible, but the 40 points like it's nothing. And then last year, it's like he takes over as a head coach, and all of a sudden the offense can't do anything. Why is that? My, my only thing I can think of is because he's the head coach. He probably needs to give up play calling duties. Um, but I do believe I was actually talking to my dad, and I said, you know, I could see, I could see um, if Eli if this continues, he continues to play bad. He actually played pretty well, I thought last night. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of pro football focus, but I do look at their grades and stuff. (laughs) You know, I don't think they're always accurate, but he had a 74 grade, grade of 74 or something. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good grade. It was about average, you know, when you think about it. And he was a little, maybe above average he was in that game. Um, But, you know, it was one of his better games in the last year, that's for sure. Um, But I think if he continues to play, though, inconsistently like this, I guess in a Dave, say Davis Webb develops because Geno Smith's. I don't think Geno Smith's going to be the answer. I, I wouldn't mind. So. I wouldn't mind him being the answer. I think he's a solid player, but I just <laughs> don't know how well he. I'm not going to count on that. But say Davis Webb 
say Davis Webb by next summer, the Giants are like, wow, this guy might be ready. Or say McAdoo's thinking, this guy might be ready to start soon. If Eli struggles early next season, 2018, I wouldn't be surprised. Eli struggles if they say, you know what, Eli, take a, take a break. Let's see what Davis Webb can do. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. It's not going to happen this year, but maybe next year they would do that. Wow. Well, that's uh, pretty bold there. Uh, Paul Jackowitz of the big blog, owner of Big Blog Google, coming on here in the SCU show and saying he wouldn't be surprised that Eli Manning is benched by 2018 for he would be second-year player Davis Webb out of Cal. You heard it here first. So uh, let's stick with the NFC East here. The Cowboys, yeah, obviously, they're playing well on offense. Um, they're playing well, except against Denver, where their dead defense just got deteriorated. And a lot of people say uh, Dak, got, Dak Prescott got exposed, even though he did pretty well. How, how do you feel? And I, I was first to say it. I said the Cowboys are going to finish six and ten this year. How do you feel the Dak and Zeke, especially you know Zeke with being the six game suspension thing? How do you think they will do the rest of the way? You know, I wasn't surprised by them losing in Denver. Um, I thought it was funny watching them beat the Giants and how it was Chris Collins was like, oh, my gosh, this defense, nobody thought they'd be good. Thinking you know, they're playing the Giants' <laughs> offense. What, 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 they're not, the Giants' offense hasn't been good in over a year. So what makes you think Cowboys are all of a sudden good, you know? And, and we saw it. At least they got a little bit exposed. You know, but then again, the NFL is a week-to-week league. You know, the Cowboys look pretty good the first week. Obviously, they didn't look good this past week. Maybe they'll be great the next week. Uh, but they do. Their defense, though, is very um, – I mean, it's it's still, I think, the jury's out on whether or not they're better. Again, you beat the Giants. Um, right now, I think anybody, almost anybody could beat the Giants. The Browns and the Jets are scoring more points than the Giants. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the problem. <laughs> so, um, you know, the NFC East, to me, I feel like anybody but the Giants can win it right now. Um I think the Eagles are probably the scariest team. I think they are. Their defense looks very good. Their blitz. Um, yeah, the Giants playing them this week, and it's in Philly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they're just staring, just staring at 0-3 right now. Um, <laughs> and even to think that the Giants, of course, in the rest of the NFC East, has to play the AFC West is also very, very scary. Um, like Avon Miller against the Giants. I mean, the, the I think Von Miller plays on the opposite side. I might be wrong of of Flowers, um, but they'd be smart to line him up over Flowers, and he'll have a field day. Um, so uh, right now, I, I I think I think the NFC East is it's the Eagles' pride to win. I would be surprised the Redskins sneak up there and contend. I know they haven't looked great, um, but Kirk Cousins hasn't been the the fastest starter you know each season so they got some weapons we'll see how they do but right now i just i know it's only two games but the giants just look like a mess yeah it's funny you mentioned um kirk cousins actually because my next point i just want to bring up this, i bought this point up a couple of weeks ago when i actually did a show it's been a while uh kirk cousins isn't going to do well in 2017 because of two things deshaun jackson's gone and pierre Strzok, mm. pierre garçon are both gone yeah and i feel like their t- their top target now is a tight end and this is this is Kirk Cousins' year. Like if he wants a mega deal next year. He's, this is his second consecutive season playing on the franchise tag. So if he wants a big mega deal next year, he has to play well this year. And that just makes it tougher having no Deshaun Jackson, no Pierre Garcon, and his top target is Jordan Reed, a tight end. Yeah, who can't stay healthy? Right, exactly. <laughs> so Paul Paul Jackowitz, uh owner of Big Blogging Big Blue. Did I say it right? Bloggingbigblue.com? Yeah, that's right. Yep. 
and editor of the Toro Times joining us. So when we last talked, you were telling me that you believe Tom Savage should start for Houston. I thought you were nuts. I still think you were nuts, especially after how he played the first half against Jacksonville. Do you still feel that he should have stayed in that game? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, to, I told you that Savage was going to start the season. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, see, I was right, though. He started the season. I mean, but, <laughs> you, but you were right. I was right, but he didn't last very long, and I'm not surprised by that either. Um, you know, I, the feeling I get, I'm not surprised he didn't last, not because he's a bad quarterback. I think Savage could actually be a, a serviceable starter with a good offensive line. The problem is he can't get out the way of the rush, and, you know, he's going to get killed. It's actually probably better for him not to play right now. He looked pretty good in the preseason. Um, his numbers weren't bad. He, uh, you know, he's a solid player. Won't be, he won't be with the Texans next year, but he will be somewhere, and I think he'll compete for a starting job somewhere, hopefully with a team with a good offensive line. But, you know, the Sean Watson, the feeling I get is that he's ready. he is ready to start. You know, Bill O'Brien said, hey, we're not holding anything back. You know, typically teams will sometimes limit, um, of course, how much they use the playbook or limit the offense in certain ways when they have a rookie quarterback. Supposedly, he's not limiting anything. So that tells me that, you, you know what, they didn't while they while he wasn't their immediate starter week one, you know, came in the second half, but wasn't a starter to start the game. They were thinking, you know, what, let's see what Savage does. Of course, if things don't look good, we feel like Watson is ready. And I think that's obviously what happened, um, you know, because it wouldn't it doesn't hurt to not start him for that first game. But now I think oh, they sure. realize, you know what, our line is so bad. We need to have somebody that can move around, make plays and clearly get out of the way of the pass rush. So it's funny that you mentioned that uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, I The way I look at it, I loved him at Clemson. I like that he went 12 overall to a team like Houston that has um, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, his name. Yeah, DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins. They have J.J. Watt. They have Javon Clowney. But he played against a Jacksonville defense that had the best game of their, in their franchise history with 10 sacks. And <laughs> Cincinnati. So I've is it too? I feel, do you feel like it might be too early to say, "Oh, Deshaun Watson's going to do good things" because he didn't play against the best defenses yet? Well, Jacksonville, I think they have a good. I do think Jacksonville is a good defense. They got a very good um, set of defensive backs. They got Calais Campbell. Uh, they got some talent on there. I'm not, you know, I'm not really surprised by the way they played. And again, again, that offensive line. It's all about the offensive line. It's just funny to me that a team, a team like again, going back to the Giants would. Think, oh yeah, let's get all these weapons, and then we're going to be okay. Like, are you delusional? Your line is horrible, you know. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same thing with the Texans. I mean, they didn't really, they didn't do anything in free agency. Uh, they weren't able to get an offensive tackle in the draft or any. They got some line or yeah, two linemen late in the draft, but you know, still though, there's a lot of teams you see it over the years. They don't address their line like they need to, and um, you know, they think they can win anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, yeah, I, I think I can't. I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> wow. No, you're fine. Um, um, I do. I do have one more question about Houston. Yeah. They got rid of wide receiver Jalen Strong. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I just think he didn't. He hasn't been performing since they got him, and he just, you know, I think they wanted to get rid of him. They were they were going to supposedly they were going to get rid of him early in the summer, ended up deciding not to. Um, they kept him, of course, with Will Fuller being injured and. I think they just realize, you know what, this guy's not going to work out, and then the Jaguars just picked him up today. Yeah, that Will Fuller thing—that's that is such a shame. That's like he's been injured every season he's played. Now he has a broken collarbone. This guy has yeah. talent; he just hasn't been able to show it yet. And it's a shame that he's out another seven, five, seven weeks. 
Well, they actually Fuller. There's he's practicing now, and they oh, said there seems like there's an outside chance he might be able to play this week. Um, wow. but he could be back by week four or five. Yeah, because he got injured in early August. A collarbone is typically like an eight week. Time yeah, frame. yeah. So he could be back within the next few weeks. I'd be surprised if he plays this week. I would too. Broken collarbone. I mean, Tony Romo did that. He missed half the season in uh, was 2010, I believe. And of yeah. course, we have uh, um, the Giants to thank for that one. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of teams broke Tony Romo. Poor guy. <laughs> Paul Jackowitz, owner of BloggingBlue.com and editor of the Toro Times. Well, I do hope that the Giants do better going into Philadelphia and beyond. <laughs> I want to thank you again for coming on to SCU show and. Uh, We'll have to talk again real soon, man. Thanks much. All right. Thank you. Good stuff, Jeff. Paul Jackiewicz. All right. So we're not going to go commercial because um, Sean and I have an agreement that I will have one commercial for every show from now on. That's that's before my guest comes on. So let's go right into our next subject here. About, oh, actually, I want, to start, I want to stick to what uh, Paul was saying. Yeah, OBJ, obviously, I've said, I said this before he came on. OBJ is not... I mean, he's a big factor, but he can't be the reason your team wins and loses. It cannot be the reason. That, that is absolutely ridiculous. That the Giants fans think that OBJ not playing is the reason they lose games. No, that can't be it. That cannot. That I mean, like I said, they have Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall is one of the best receivers in the league. Let me put my own number to believe it. The problem is that Eli Manning is throwing the ball as much as he should. That is the problem. If Philip Maddie can get the ball to him more, to him, to Brandon Marshall, and oh, he OBJ has to get back in his thing because he has not done anything the first two weeks. Of course, granted, week one he was out. Week yesterday he did nothing. That's the Giants need to really put a fire under Eli Manning's butt, and they need to get it going because they have a big test. Like like Paul said, they're going to Philadelphia next week. The Eagles are one and one. They just they just overcame the. Ten point fourth quarter deficit, a fourteen point fourth quarter deficit almost did against Kansas City, the best defense in the league by far. So Giants, get ready because here come the Eagles. I can't, I can't, I don't want my Cowboys to play the Eagles either. I can't wait for that. We're gonna, it's not gonna be pretty. I, I could, I'll just leave it at that. I don't even know when we play the Eagles, but it's not going to be pretty. My next point, uh, my next thing I want to get to here is New England Patriots. So the Patriots lost week one against Kansas City, and everyone loses their freaking minds. Oh, my God, the Patriots are never going to go to the playoffs playing like this. Oh, Brady's old. It's over. Calm down. It was one week. Now, uh, there is a point where I do agree that this is, it might not be the same Patriots team. But it was, it's was it been only been a couple weeks. They have no Amendola. No, Amendola. They don't have no Edelman. They have they covered a couple players on defense. A couple players retired on defense. This is a new Patriots team. Same old Brady, same old Belichick, fine. But there are new guys. They had to get used to how the team plays. They just have to. They have to build the chemistry. They have to get things together. But I do agree that there might be some trouble with the Patriots, though, because yes, they lost to the Chiefs. Who, by the way, have the best defense in the league. Like I just said, they have the best defense. The defense is awesome in Kansas City. They showed that against the Patriots. And that offense is pretty explosive, too. Kareem Hunt, I remember Sean said in our group chat that I should not sleep on. Pretty much, he, I'm paraphrasing. He said I shouldn't sleep on Kareem Hunt. I was like, who? Guy out of Toledo? Who? 
And I was, you know, I was like, that's speculation. I'm not going to speculate on a guy I don't even know about. Then he goes ahead and he scores two touchdowns against the Patriots, upsetting him in Foxborough. And then he does it again against the Eagles, scores two touchdowns against the Eagles, and a win, another win. So maybe Kareem Hunt's uh, better than, uh, definitely better than I expected, because I didn't know who he was until the Patriots game. Just about like half of America didn't know who Kareem Hunt was, unless you live in Toledo, Ohio. You didn't know who Kareem Hunt was until he played against the Patriots. But then there's the second game for, the, for New England. They went to play the Saints, and Brady throws three touchdowns in the first quarter. Oh, the Patriots are back. Yeah, Super Bowl champions. No. First of all, the Saints have the worst defense in the NFL. By far. Like, the Chiefs are the best. The Saints have the worst. They let Sam Bradford beat them. Come on now. And that's then that's where I question New England still. They beat the Saints. Is it really that big of an accomplishment? I mean, come on. I would put money on it that the Browns could beat the Saints at this point with that defense since Deshaun Kaiser's rocket arm. Yeah, the Browns. I wouldn't put it as, I'm going to go as far as the Jets. I think the Saints would beat the Jets because the Jets are a much worse team than New Orleans. But let's say that the oh the, Patri- the Patriots beat the Saints so bad, Brady's back. It was the Saints. Let's calm down. Let's wait. To, this, this weekend, they're playing Houston. That is the game that will tell me. Are these the same Patriots, or are we looking at something different here? Is there, still, is there a problem brewing in New England? Because if they struggle against J.J. Watt and that defense, there's a problem. Because Brady's been able to contain that defense in the last couple of meetings against the, the Houston Texans. So if he doesn't do well in this game, there's going to be problems. I'm going to see a lot of trouble brewing in New England at 1-2 and two if they do lose to Houston. I don't think they will because the game's at Foxborough. But I also didn't think the Chiefs would beat them. So we're just going to have to wait and see how that game plays out. Final topic of the night, Kyrie Irving. We're going to switch to the NBA to close out the show here. Kyrie Irving went on first take and said, oh, absolutely, in response to could he win a championship without LeBron. Really? You can win a championship without LeBron. Do you realize you're going to have, first of all, you're going to have to go through LeBron. Because he's going to Los Angeles in 2018. That's already booked, settled. LeBron's bought the house in Orange County. That's already happening. You have to go to the Warriors. Still the best team in the NBA. It probably will be in 2018 because LeBron, Paul George, and Lonzo Ball build their chemistry and figure things out with each other. You have to go to the Houston Rockets. James Harden, Chris Paul. A two-man super team right there. You even have to go to the Oklahoma City Thunder. With Russell Westbrook, MVP, he's an average triple. He could average triple-double again this year. And Paul George. And granted, I do believe this is Paul George's one and only season in Oklahoma City. I do believe he'll go to Los Angeles with LeBron and play with him and the Lonzo Ball come 2018. And that's just the Western Conference. Just imagine the Eastern Conference. Miami on the rise for sure. They went from 11-30 to half a game out of the eighth seed in the NBA playoffs. The Heat are going places. And they just signed Kelly Olnick and a couple other guys. Joshua Roberts are signing a multi-year deal. It's going to be very exciting times for the people in South Beach, Florida. And, and people are going to think I'm crazy here in the end of the show. The Philadelphia 76ers have something going. It's going to be two, three years until the Sixers are ready to contend. 
But when they are ready to contend, you best watch out Boston. You better watch out Kyrie Irving because the Heat, the Sixers, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Rockets, and the Thunder are coming for you. So for Kyrie to say he's going to win a title without LeBron, well, let's just face it. He has to beat LeBron first, and it's not going to happen. So Kyrie, with I believe this is it for him. He's going to play the rest of his career in Boston, and I win a title. Done deal. That's it. He's going to have fun. He's going to enjoy Boston's a beautiful city, by the way. I've been to Boston. Beautiful city. One of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to in my life. And I haven't been to many cities, so <laughs> that says something. But that is uh, if you ever visit a city in your life, you have to go to Boston. That is a must. So Kyrie's going to he's going to run the East. I do believe he will run the East, him and the Celtics, when LeBron leaves the East. But he's not winning a title. And with that, we are going to end the SCU show. I'm your host, SCU. I want to thank Paul Jackiewicz for coming on make this show 100% better. I know I had a very rocky start. I felt it. I know it. Going to come back next week, I hope, and do 100 times better. We're going to do much better. Remember, check out my new podcast, The Kickoff with Harry Broadhurst and Patrick. I don't even know how to say his last name. <laughs> but you can check us out every week on WTMNet.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, and wherever WTM podcasts are available. And once again, congratulations to Sean Garmer, Eric Watkins, Rich McGregor, Soccer to the Max, Football to the Max, to getting iHeartRadio. Good stuff. So until next week, this is the SCU Show. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.